This is Trends and Issues in Instructional Design, Educational Technology, and Learning Science, hosted by Abby Brown and Tim Green. Hi, this is Tim, and I'm here with Abby. Hi, this is Abby, and I'm here with Tim. Welcome to episode 216 of our podcast, where we review the trends and issues in instructional design, educational technology, and learning sciences that we observed as we flipped resources into our Flipboard magazine over the past two weeks. In this episode, we have four trends that we will share along with four recommended readings, one that goes along with each of the four trends. At the end of the episode, we peer into the crystal ball and make predictions about the trends we believe we'll observe in the upcoming two weeks. So Abby, start us off by talking about our four trends and sharing our recommended readings. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to say that uh, we are back uh, on track in terms of uh, uh, finding four trends that came that, that bubbled up quite quickly. Uh, yeah, a little bit different than last episode. Last episode was so weird because yeah. it was like so uh, scattered across the board. But we are once again. We looked at all of the the articles that we um, flipped into our Flipboard magazine in the past two weeks. And then we did sort of a simple organization of them uh, to see how how things kind of fit together to identify what was trending in these past two weeks. Interestingly, the first trend, and this was sort of the dominant trend uh, of the past two weeks, is something that we don't normally see as a trend. It was how-tos. It was all um, articles about how to do something specifically with technology and often, very often, uh, how to apply it to a, a classroom situation or an instructional situation. So we saw uh, how to easily right click on a Mac and a MacBook Pro. Now this doesn't seem like an educational thing off the top of one of my head anyway, but um, it's one of those questions that you, you come across every now and then thinking, well, how do I, how do I right click? So that was, that was one. Eight ways to use QR codes in higher education classrooms. So it's uh, an article that was just a set of, of uh, suggestions for using QR codes for instruction. Using Adobe Creative Cloud Express for teaching and learning. Adobe Creative Cloud Express, for anyone who's not aware, is the uh, uh, limited uh, price, often free, I think, um, it, it is free, free to K-12 schools. To yeah. K-12 schools um, of the Adobe suite of, of production tools. It's, it's got limited capability if you really wanted to do professional production, but it's more than enough for most teaching and learning situations. Um, there is also best practices for interactive classroom displays. Uh, how to use Hypothesis, which is an annotation tool uh, that allows people to share annotations of uh, websites and web pages for instructional purposes. Uh, the, the article was how to apply it to instruction. There was also an article on how to launch a flipped classroom, which is a perennial favorite um, article that we see because flipped classrooms are continually um, uh, popular ideas. And so we saw the, the this season's how to launch a flipped classroom article. However, our recommended read in this area, something very near and dear to our hearts as media producers, How to Search for Images You Can Legally Use for Free by Emma Roth for The Verge. And I apologize once again for any mispronunciations of any of our uh, article authors' names. 
This is a great article, actually, uh, Tim. You and I were talking about it earlier. It's a great article on how to search online um, to find images that are actually within the public domain or uh, at least royalty-free in some way that one can use in one's uh, instructional media legally so that it's not you don't have to kind of only use it within a contained classroom setting. Uh, number two, now here's an interesting thing that happened uh, in the past two weeks. We had typically when we see security and citizenship issues, they kind of blended together. So we uh, uh, very often one of our trends is security and citizenship. This time, there were so many articles on the subjects and they were so diverse in terms of they were either about security or about citizenship that trend number two is security and trend number three is digital citizenship. So starting with trend number two, security issues. Uh, there's a bit of a good deal of whistleblowing that went on in the last two weeks. Um, an article uh, describing in detail how the company Meta is injecting code into websites to track users. It can't inject code no, uh, in just under any old circumstance, but let's say that you're on Facebook and you click on an ad in Facebook. Seemingly, the ad launches uh, a new browser window in the browser that you're using. That's not actually what's happening. It's, what's actually happening is that it's launching a new uh, window, but it's activating Meta's browser. So Meta has control of that. And uh, I, I, you and I were talking before, and just in terms of an illustration, I clicked on um, a clothing ad when I was on Facebook a few weeks ago. And now, uh, and I, it came up, it looked as if I, I had gone to their website through my browser. But now every time I log into Facebook, I get dozens of ads for men's clothing uh, that are, they're not bad. It's just overwhelming in terms of uh, the amount uh, that comes through, things like that. So there's a lot of pushback from people about that. TikTok, speaking of pushback, Washington, D.C. is pushing uh, continually pushing back against TikTok as a security issue. Um, the data flowing, you know, where does the data flow to is, is one of the, the questions that Washington has. Google is increasing access to its single sign-on option. This is actually a bit of positive security news, is that it, the, um, by increasing access to the single sign-on option, Google is making it a lot easier for um, things like Google Classroom to interoperate with other popular uh, applications that uh, uh, teachers use. There's a new incarnation of the USB rubber ducky. The USB rubber ducky, for anyone who's unfamiliar, is literally a USB drive that, if one that has software on it, that you, when you plug it into the USB port on a computer, it, um, I wouldn't say that it takes over the computer as much as it allows the software emulates the idea of keyboarding into. Uh, commands in and and which makes the computer uh, run in a mode that says ah well this is a, a live user that's actually legally activating this and it will then um, uh, kind of take over the, the computer's functions and allow it to uh, gather data it shouldn't be gathering of course this is only limited to those situations where a USB drive can actually be physically plugged into a computing device, 
But for any of us who run computer labs or lend out laptops or any of those kind of things, uh, this is probably an important thing to read about. There's also a report of a researcher's claim that the iOS VPNs have leaked traffic for years. Interesting read, a little scary. And speaking of scary, an ex-Twitter executive asserts the reckless and negligent cybersecurity policies of Twitter um, in a kind of a tell-all article that came out in the past two weeks. Our recommended read in this area is security researchers reveal Zoom flaws that could have allowed attackers to take over your Mac by M. Moon for Engadget. The article describes uh, three flaws, two of which the automatic updater has already fixed. One remains an active vulnerability, at least at the time of publication, which was August 13th of this year. Um, but for all of us who have some active use of Zoom, this is an important reminder to regularly update to the latest version of the software. Number three is digital citizenship. This focused on behavior more than sort of security, digital security. This focused on uh, us as human beings behaving with each other through the network medium. Um, there, is a, there was a, a crit critique of the use of monitoring software for online exams in higher education. It's an interesting article uh, describing how well, really saying we shouldn't be placing such a heavy emphasis on monitoring software. Among other things, monitoring software can be discriminatory in that it doesn't always recognize faces equally. Uh, it um, has a lot of other challenges as well, worth reading the article about. Um, but it also sets the tone saying that we have to constantly monitor everyone, everyone over everything. It's an interesting issue. 95% of teens use YouTube, whereas, say, something like TikTok only gets used 67% of the time. So the, the common communal forum for most young people is YouTube, which is uh, interesting in and of itself. There are asso issues associated with remote work in school and multitasking. It's a very interesting article about um, how people's perception of what they can actually accomplish by multitasking is actually very different than the reality in most cases. And one of the things that this article talks about is that if one doesn't have a strong sense of one's limits in terms of multitasking, then working from home or going to school remotely may be a bigger challenge than uh, these folks realize. And I would say that's most people don't understand the like limits on multitasking percent of us right. don't really right. we think we can multitask but but it's yeah. really interesting to watch the proof though that that yeah that very really much isn't. so um because yes. that's been going on for years people have been oh, putting out uh really interesting studies and, and results and and video videoing people who are trying to multitask mm -hmm. and then having them watch the video afterwards and them being shocked at their you know, lack of ability uh however our read for digital citizenship is, our recommended read is, nine digital etiquette tips. Teaching proper digital etiquette to students starts with modeling it by Lisa Nielsen for Tech and Learning. Uh, this is an interesting set of tips, well, nine of them, 
and you and I were talking earlier, Tim, um, and I revealed to you that I wasn't sure that I agreed with all of them, <laughs> but I certainly think that they're worth reading about and talking about. Right. Um, but that there was at least one that I thought, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I view that as being etiquette, but, uh, it, but it's worth looking at. Number four, well, this this doesn't come up very often for us either. But number no, four was the ed tech industry itself. That is just ed tech as a business. Um, a Business Insider list of this year's most promising education startups. Uh, a critique of the Apple teachers accreditation in Australian schools. There's kind of a backlash against this, the feeling that uh, Apple is using this Apple teachers accreditation as a kind of a scheme to get schools to focus very heavily on their products and their products alone. Um, there's a popular school platform called Edmodo, which I'm guessing a very large portion of our listenership is familiar with. Edmodo is shutting down. And one of the questions along with that, just parenthetically, is what happens to all that data that Edmodo has? Um, there is a heavy critique of Meta, once again with Meta, of Meta's efforts designing its vision of the metaverse. And we put this under uh, EdTech, the industry, because they have been promoting, Meta has been promoting the metaverse as being a new place to, to learn, a new place to be in school. Um, I'm quoting from an article from Fast Company, which uh, referred to the avatar that was released of Mark Zuckerberg, um, said that the, the meta itself is as dead as Zuckerberg's cartoon eyes because the, the avatar, the avatar isn't scary as much as it is disappointing in that it looks very much like uh, graphics from the 1990s. And the article points that out as well is that according to meta, we all want to be back in the 1990s version of, of these graphics. And again, you and I had talked about this earlier. It's possible that these look a lot right. more impressive in a VR situation than they do in a two-dimensional situation. Mm. In the meantime, though, most of us are looking at them from a two-dimensional situation and we're thinking, oh, wow. Um, there's, <laughs> it's an interesting comment, though, right? <laughs> very scary. Yeah. Um, there's a collection and review of uh, educational games game companies and games themselves, published by USA Today. Our recommended read for EdTech industry as the trend is, EdTech isn't special anymore, and that's a good thing. By Natasha Mascarenhas, Mascarenhas, excuse me, I'm hoping I'm getting even close to appropriate pronunciation there, for TechCrunch. And uh, it's a very good article, it's brief, very good article about the uh, industry, the, 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 the the investor aspect of ed tech and how investors are looking at the ed tech industry. Tim, those are our four trends and our four recommended readings. Thanks, Abby. So now we turn our attention to peering into the crystal ball uh, and making predictions about the trends we believe we'll observe in the upcoming two weeks. Yes. I think the safest thing to say is it's a little murky. Right. It's, right. I mean, we really had have had some trouble pinning down anything yeah. like this. There hasn't been any directionality to to the last few episodes worth of, of trending. I think you and I can agree that security issues seem to right. be critically important. Citizenship is probably one as well. Right. Uh, how people are behaving in the networked world 
uh, is always an issue. We also suspect we'll see some more about hardware. We only saw like two or three articles yeah, about hardware it, in general. And it has, yeah, which is odd. It, hardware odd. and software ha, are 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 often uh, trends that we see, right. but very very little we've seen in the last very two little. episodes. But we, again, we're we're we suspect that as the holiday season starts to come into gear, now it's right. early for the holiday season, but not too early to start thinking about shopping for the holiday season. Right. So marketing companies are starting to get their the the word out through um, press releases about new products. Um, that I think is the best we can do in terms of the crystal ball. It's really very murky. It is, and uh, sorry if it's so murky, but that's I mean that's kind of been well, what be we've seen. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what actually comes yeah comes to it, be. It will indeed. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of episode 216. We'd like to thank our followers and viewers of our Flipboard magazine, and of course our podcast subscribers. You can listen to past episodes of our podcast and find the links to the recommended readings by visiting our website at trendsandissues.com. Our next episode will air on September 7th. This podcast is produced by Professor Abby Brown at East Carolina University and Professor Tim Green at California State University, Fullerton. Copyright Abby Brown and Tim Green, 